Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Amen. God is good all the time. Pastor Daniel will be in the back after service if you want to meet him in person. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise for what he's doing, for his grace and his mercy. Uh, I want to encourage you today to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. Let's turn in our Bibles to John uh, chapter 15. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2 uh, this morning. John 15, verses 1 and 2. As you're turning there, I want to remind you, next Sunday is Father's Day. So we're going to be anointing all the males in the house. So if you know a father or anybody who needs to be prayed for, uh, I encourage you to invite them and even bring them to uh, church next Sunday. And then uh, also this Thursday, uh, we are starting the School of Prayer right here in the sanctuary it is a four-week lesson. We want to teach you how to pray so that you can have a vibrant uh, lifestyle in Christ Jesus. So I encourage you to come on out on Thursday, start that class. We're anticipating maybe about 100 or so people participating in the class. We just graduated a class at our Carson campus, and so uh, come on out and be a part of the movement. Someone shout amen. So as we turn to John chapter 15, it's important to remember uh, that at this stage in Jesus' ministry, he just completed the Last Supper. Uh, he was in the upper room, and now he comes out of the upper room with his disciples. And this is the night he's going to be arrested. It is the night he's going to be arrested, and it is the night before he's going to be slaughtered on the cross. Kind of put that picture in your mind, he turns around to his Jewish disciples and he begins to teach them a couple of one, uh, his last lessons while he's on earth. It is the night he's going to be arrested. It is the night before he's going to be uh, crucified and slaughtered on the cross. Now, remember, on, on the weekends, we are studying the I am statements of Jesus. Why are we studying the I am statements of Jesus? Because, number one, we want to fall deeper in love with Jesus. And the clearer that we see Jesus, the more uh, deeper we fall in love with Jesus. But also, the more clearer we see Jesus, the more deeper we become transformed. We become uh, transformed by looking at Jesus. As we behold him, we become like him. Someone shout amen. I like that. As we behold him, we become like him. So in John chapter 15, verses 1, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, I am the true vine. Someone say true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides 
in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We gather around your word to eat. We pray that you feed us faith, feed us joy, feed us strength and peace in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone says, amen. Now, as we approach this passage of scripture, uh, my brothers and sisters, it's important to note first that there are four characters in this passage of scripture. There is the vine, which represents Jesus. There's the vine dresser, which represents the father. There's the unfruitful branches, which represent false disciples. And then there are the fruitful branches, which are true disciples. So there's four characters. One, the vine, which uh, represents Jesus. Vine dresser, that represents the father. The unfruitful branches, which represents false disciples. And then the fruitful branches, which represent true disciples. Now, we are going to focus this morning... On verses 1 and 2. I want us to linger on this passage of scripture as I seek by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us understand what Jesus means when he makes this statement. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What does Jesus mean? By this statement, let us kind of linger on it. Let me help us to understand. The first thing uh, that I would note is that to say I am the true vine is to say I am God. I am God. Now, uh, we got to come back uh, to this foundational truth in the Bible because Jesus hits on it in several occasions. Now, I know I brought this up about three weeks ago, but I need to bring it back again because here we see Jesus talking about it again. He says, I am. Someone say, I am. He says, I am the true vine. Now, this phrase that he uses, I am, reveals his divine nature. It reveals his divine nature. He is reaffirming his divinity. He is reaffirming his divinity. Now, let me remind us that the I am uh, title of God is the divine name of God. I am is the divine name of God. Of God. Remember, I taught about several weeks ago when Moses was on the backside of the desert and God revealed himself to Moses and he said, Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt to set my people free. And Moses said, God, who am I going to say is sending me? What is your name? You remember in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 from the burning bush. The Bible says that God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is who you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Someone shout, I am. Now I want you to notice this, that God reveals his divine name as the great I am. And I am means that God is the self-existent one. 
that he is the one that was, the one that is, and the one that always will be. I am is the great uh, self-sufficient one. God is the only one in the universe that can stand alone. He doesn't need no one. He doesn't need nobody. He doesn't need no thing. He is the great I am. Someone shout I am. So God reveals himself through this name to Moses. Go tell them, I am has sent you. And then years later, Jesus comes on the scene and he turns to his Jewish disciples and he reveals himself as the great I am. He claims this divine name. Let me remind us. John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus says, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now that literally reads, it literally reads, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. It literally reads, if you don't believe that I am, You will die in your sins. What is he doing? He's claiming the divine name of God. And how important is it to believe that Jesus is God? Is it a peripheral subject in the Bible? Is it a side note in the the subject of the Bible? Can you take it or leave it? Well, Jesus says right there, if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That's why he constantly reveals His divine nature in John chapter 8, verse 28. He says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. When you lift up the Son of Man, he's referring to being lifted up on the cross. He says, then you will know that I am. Over and over, Jesus reveals his divinity, his divine nature. This is a foundational truth of every uh, Christian church. Someone shout amen. amen. If you go to a church and they're not preaching the divinity of Jesus, you better run from that church. John chapter 8, verse 58. Listen to what the Lord reveals. He says, verily, truly, I tell you, by the way, whenever Jesus says, verily, truly, I tell you, he's saying, listen, you better pay attention to this. I'm about to tell you something really important. He says, verily, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. What? What are you talking about, Jesus? Abraham was born some 2,000 years before that moment in time. And you're turning around to your Jewish audience and you're telling them, the father of their faith, that before he was born, I am? This blew their mind. This blew their mind that he can share with them, reveal to him his divine nature. And so, my brothers and sisters, when Jesus says, I am the true mind. He is saying, I am God. This reaffirms his divine nature. And so as we think about the divinity of God or Jesus, as we think about the divinity of Jesus, as we think about the eternality of Jesus, I want to remind us that Jesus didn't have a beginning in the manger. 
Jesus didn't have a beginning in the manger. The Jesus story doesn't begin in Bethlehem or Nazareth or even Israel. The Bible reveals that it begins long before them. It begins in the dateless past before angels and Adams and even Adam. Jesus is eternal. Remember in John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Who's that right there? Who's the Word? Who's the Word? So Jesus is the human face of God. We cannot forget this. We cannot just uh, circle around this. This got to be center in our theology, it has to be center in our belief of who Jesus is, that he was not just a prophet, that he was not just a mere man, that he was not just a good teacher, but Jesus was God in the flesh, and Almighty God left his throne from heaven, and he wrapped himself up in human form and he subject himself to the brokenness of this world he subject himself to the sinfulness of this world and he hung on a cross for you and I but on the third day someone shout third day but on the third day he rose with all power and might in his hands that's our Lord that's our Savior that's our God he steps out of eternity into time for you and I so Jesus says, I am, I am. The second thing I would bring to our attention is that to say I am the true vine is to say I'm going to do what you could not do. Now, I'm going to unpack this and you're going to understand it as I speak. But to say that I am the true vine to this Jewish audience was to say that I'm going to do what you couldn't do. The word true, it means authentic, it means real, it means genuine. Now remember, he's speaking to a Jewish audience and he's saying... I am the true, someone say true. I am the true vine. Now that's packed. It's loaded with meaning. It's loaded with revelation. It, it, it somewhat slapped them in the face. Jesus did not hold back in his teaching. He was the most powerful teacher in history. Now for us to understand some of what he meant, you got to remember that all throughout history, it was the Jewish people who were referred to as God's vine. You got to remember that throughout history, it was always the Jewish nation that was referred to as God's vine. In Isaiah chapter 5 verse 7, it says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel... And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. Are you following along? I'm going somewhere with this. Follow along. It was the Jewish people 
that were the vine of God. In Psalms 80, verse 8, it says, You uprooted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and transplanted it. See, the Jewish people were called to be God's vine. They were called to live for God. They were called to shine for God. The life of God was originally designed to flow through the Jewish nation and bless all humanity and bless all the nations. The life of God was meant to flow through them. The nations were to be blessed by them. They received the word of God, the oracles of God, the temple of God, the sacrificial system of God. They were God's Chosen people. But here's where the tension arises. In time, it was noticeable to God that it was too hard for them as a whole to fulfill God's assignment upon their life. In time, it became noticeable to God that it was impossible for them to fulfill God's plan for their life. And like all of us, disobedience kept getting in the way to mess things up. How many know that sin messes things up? How many know that sin messes things up? If you're living in open sin and you're trying to serve God, it's going to mess everything up. If you're living in open sin and you're trying to be blessed by God, you are messing things up. Sin messes things up. Sin is like a ball of yarn, a cat playing with a ball of yarn. It seems fun at first, but next thing I know, it's around its neck choking it out. Disobedience messes things up. You're living a disobedient lifestyle. It's going to mess things up. And over time, uh, the children of Israel begin to demonstrate, like all of us, their disobedience, their lack of faith, their lack of faithfulness to God. And at different times, God actually got mad at them. God got, and you know, if there's one person in the world you don't want to get mad at you, is God. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? After all I've done in your life, after all the prayers I answered, after all the things I've done, both seen and unseen, how long will you reject my instruction? How long will you reject my leadership over your life? God was getting frustrated. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 9, it says, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. And so... When Jesus says to his Jewish audience, I am the true vine, it was as if he was stepping in to say, I'm going to be what you could not be. 
I'm going to do what you could not do. I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to make everything right. When Jesus said, I am the true vine, it was him saying, I'm going to be what you could not be. I'm going to do what you could not do. I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to put everything right. I'm going to fix it. That's what he meant. And he said, I am the true vine. And guess what, my brothers and sisters? That's good news. That's good news. Every now and then, we need someone to step in our lives and say, I got this. I'll fix it. I'll help you. I'll be what you could not be. I'll do what you could not do. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. That's what God did. He looked over the earth and said, man, they ain't doing it. I tried. They're not doing it. And out of his mercy and his love for us, instead of saying, you know what, let's just destroy them all. I sent the prophets, they did not listen. I sent situations, they did not pay attention. Let's just destroy them and start all over. No, that's not what God did. Instead, he comes down himself and he says, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to be what you could not be, and I'm going to do what you could not do. That's the God we serve. You, you've, you've experienced this on a lower level with your kids at different times. I know I have. I'll give them an assignment, maybe in the backyard, and mow the lawn, and, and next year, you know, I come out in 10 more ten minutes, and, and he's distracted, and he's not doing what he can't even turn on the lawnmower, and I'm looking at him, and what do I do as a parent at times? I step into the situation. I said, don't worry about it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do what you could not do. I'm going to be what you could not be, and that's what God did for us. That's what Jesus did for us. For us, in fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, it says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Look what Jesus does for us. He steps in. So I'm going to do it for you. And through his act of righteousness, which means his sinless life, his, his sacrificial death on the cross, his raising from the grave, what does it do? What does it do? It gives us a right relationship with God. It brings us new life for everybody who calls upon the mighty name of Jesus. Someone shout amen. He lifts our burdens from our life. This is why Jesus can say in Matthews eleven twenty eight. this is why he can say, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Someone say rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. Someone say rest. I will find, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what the world needs. The world needs rest in their souls. 
Sin is grinding our souls to the dirt, and Jesus offers us rest. He steps into our dysfunction. He steps into our failure. He steps into our brokenness, and he says, I'm going to do what you could not do. I'm going to be what you could not be. I am the true vine, says the Lord. Someone shout amen. Going back to John 15, verse 1, Jesus also said that my father is the vine dresser. Someone say vine dresser. That word vine dresser means gardener. It means farmer. It means one who takes care of the vine. When you see that word vine dresser related to the father, it speaks of his care. It speaks of his love. It speaks of his effort in helping us to be fruitful. That God is doing everything he can to help you and I be fruitful in this world. We are the garden. He is the vine dresser. And he shows us his care so that we can produce fruit in our life. Now, I love Isaiah chapter 5. It captures the care of God as the vine dresser for his gardener. I love Isaiah 5. Let me read this as a description of God's care. It says, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. Whenever you sing a song about something, you are excited about that. Someone shout amen. You ever catch yourself singing a song? You excited. He said, I will sing a song. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. This speaks of his excitement. It speaks of his care that God gets excited when he looks over heaven at his garden, which is you and I, and he sees us growing in the Lord, and he sees us growing in holiness, and he sees us growing in prayer, growing in devotion, growing in commitment, growing in faithfulness. I'm telling you, God gets excited. He gets excited over his vineyard. He gets excited over his garden as he looks over heaven into our lives and he sees you pressing in. He sees you waking up in the morning praying. He sees you staying focused on him. It puts a smile on God's face. Now, I've, in the last couple of weeks, I've experienced this excitement over uh, a garden on a lower level in a natural way. Uh, I've experienced this excitement because uh, my wife, Pastor Laura, decided to plant a couple tomatoes in our backyard. Here's a picture of what she planted. And I got to tell you, almost every morning, we got to hear of the excitement of these tomatoes. In the backyard, almost every morning, I got to hear, like, they, they, they were that size, now they're this size, there's three of them, and listen, they're not even red yet. They're not even red yet, and she's all excited about the tomatoes. She's a farmer now. 
She's a farmer now. And I was thinking, like, man, if she as a human being is excited over her garden, now she thinks she's a farmer, how much more our Heavenly Father, as he looks over our lives, he sees us persevering, he sees us blossoming. We may not even be red yet, but we're going in the right direction. I'm telling you, he's celebrating over your life. He's celebrating over your life. In Isaiah chapter 5, it describes the care of God over his garden. I just want to identify a couple of those that, that it identifies. It says that, God re, it says that God built a fence around it. He built a fence around it. It speaks of, uh, uh, of protection. It speaks of his protection. Has anybody ever experienced the protection of God? Has God ever experienced, can somebody testify that God protected you? He protected your mind. He protected your finances. He protected your family. Uh, he protected your life. How many times have you accidentally ran a red light and you should have gotten a car accident, but God protected you? So it talks about a fence around. The old folks used to sing an old gospel song. He, he built a fence around me. He keeps a fence around me. It says that he removed the stone. He removed the stones. Stones are hindrances to growth. They're hindrances to growth. And sometimes uh, uh, the hindrance of growth can be a bad habit. We're going to talk a little bit about how God pruned you. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, how he prunes us because there's certain things that have grown on us that hinders further growth in the Lord. Sometimes stones can be relationships. Hello, somebody. The Bible says that bad company ruins good character, and sometimes God will remove a relationship out of your life because that individual is not encouraging you about your faith. He's not encouraging you to pray. She's not encouraging you to go to church. She's not encouraging you to stay pure uh, with the Lord, and so sometimes God removes relationship. Don't you ever chase somebody that God removed out of your life and try to bring them back into your life. You better let them go. You better let him go. God is trying to protect somebody. So stones, they hinder plants from taking root. They, they hinder roots from being established. When you got too many stones in your life, you're not going to take root. And always remember that no roots, no fruits. No roots, no fruits. If you ain't got no roots, you ain't going to have no fruits. And always remember that when someone don't have roots, they may start off fast, but then they, as fast as they come is as fast as they go. You ever heard of a piccolo peep type Christian? Fourth of July, piccolo peep goes, and then that's it. Usually it's those that don't have any roots. So God removes the stones. The Bible also says that he planted it in good ground. Someone say good ground. This speaks of the environment. You got to be careful about the environment you live in and work in or, or, or allow yourself to be in because your environment can, can hinder growth or encourage growth. It says that I planted him in a fruitful ground. I planted her in good soil. I've surrounded her with people that are growing. I've surrounded her with people that are in the right direction. We may not be perfect, but we're going on the right direction. Someone shout amen. 
I want to remind you that Chapel of Change is good ground for you to grow. Chapel of Change is good ground. There are brothers and sisters here that we are moving forward in the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit is transforming us. We may not be perfect, but we're going in the right direction to the glory of God. Chapel of Change is good ground. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And without the Holy Spirit, we're nothing. Without the Holy Spirit, there ain't going to be no salvations. There ain't going to be no deliverance. There ain't going to be no healing. The Holy Spirit is at Chapel of Change. I, I was telling the story to our leaders the other night that I was at one of the services. And I was in the lobby when the service started. And about two minutes after the service start, this individual runs out or walks fastly out into the lobby. And he begins to cry. And he faces to the wall, tries to hide himself. And I thought, I don't know why I thought this, but I said, man, what did the ushers do? I thought, what do the ushers do? And, and so I look at this grown man. He's crying like a little baby. And so I put down my stuff, and I go approach him. I said, hey, what, what's wrong? Can I help you with it? He turns around. He says, oh, no, nothing. The Holy Spirit just touched me in there. The Holy Spirit just touched me in there. And when the Holy Spirit touches somebody, it begins to purge their heart. Someone shout amen. amen. The Holy Spirit is here. People are growing here. That's why I encourage you to get involved in one of the smaller groups. Get involved in the women's abide group. There's ladies here that are serving the Lord in between services. They have an abides women group, discipleship group in my office with Pastor Sandy. Raise your hand, Pastor Sandy. We got our Kingsmen on Saturday morning. They meet here and they, they're praying together. They're fellowshipping together. I encourage you to get, to get into a smaller group so you could be inspired more and your roots can take root. I'm, I'm particularly excited about the, the momentum that we have with our young adults. Our young adults meet here every Wednesday night. I want to show you a picture of the young adults here pressing into the kingdom of God. Look at the young people pressing into the kingdom of God. Listen, when you got young people pressing into the kingdom of God, that is a sign that God is moving in a significant way. So if you're a young adult in the house, this Wednesday I'm going to be teaching the young adults on the power in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to be praying over the young adults and encouraging the young adults. So if you know any young adults, I encourage you to uh, invite them this Wednesday night right here in the fellowship hall. The last thing that I would have us to reflect upon in John 15 is that Jesus expects us to produce fruit. He expects us. In verse 2, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He expects us. There's an expectation over your life. So think about it with me. Are you a recipient of God's mercy? Are you a recipient of God's grace? Are you a recipient of God's favor? Are you a recipient of God's uh, uh, protection upon your life? Well, listen, there's an expectation upon your life. God has an expectation upon your life. I know that I'm a recipient of God's mercy. I know that everything I have in my life today is only as a result of the mercy of God. That I don't deserve nothing, not even the breath that I'm taking. I know that I'm living on borrowed time. 
I'm living on borrowed time. It is only because of the mercy of God that I stand before you today. And I also know that that comes with a particular weight that God has an expectation over my life. He has an expectation of me to be serious. He has an expectation of me to press forward. And, and there's a serious expectation. I mean, it's a holy expectation. It's a fearful expectation. I was, um, we put a door at our Kingsman home that's right here against our parking lot. We cut a door so that the men could walk immediately to church uh, through that door. We're believing that through the course of the year there are going to be thousands of men that walk through that door. And one of the brothers, he gracefully construction owns a construction company, blessed brother, he donated his time to cut that wall or that door. And I, I met him right here at the Home Depot. And I didn't know him, but when he saw me, uh, he said that he knew who I was. And come to find out that this individual, God bless him, good brother, um, he had done like 20 years in prison. And he kind of went into prison when I was coming out of prison. And he had heard of my testimony, and he was excited to give back the door, and it was the first time I met him. And I began to ask about his life. I said, well, well, well how, uh, how much time were you sentenced to? He said, man, I have 45 years to life. He said, I had 45 years to life. I said, well, how did you get out? He said, well, the governor had to commute my sentence, which was a miracle. And then secondly, I had to go to the parole board, and they had to give me a parole day. I said, man, that's a double miracle. That's the double miracle. You ain't even supposed to be out. He goes, yeah, right? Uh, I, I'm not supposed to be out, and the Lord is blessing me. I'm an owner of a construction company, and I'm here to give back. And I asked him, I said, well, I said, bro, well, what church you go to? Bro, where, are, are you serving God? And he looked at me, and he says, man, he goes, I got distracted. I, got, I still love God. I'm not really serving God. And I got distracted. And I looked at him. I said, bro. I, I, I said, bro, I got to walk. I got to stand, stand back from you because you have been a recipient of God's tremendous mercy and grace. You mean to tell me he touched the governor's heart? The governor, and then he touched the parole board's heart and whoever else, and you shouldn't even have survived prison. You could have been dead in prison. And you ain't serving God? I, I don't know if I offended him or not, but I said, I got I to gotta step back about 10 feet because I don't know if they're going to lightning bolt, going to come down from the sky or what. There's an expectation upon our life. In fact, the only thing that Jesus cursed in his earthly ministry was a fig tree that did not bear fruit. That was the only thing he ever cursed. Usually Jesus is blessing. He's healing. He's delivering. You check it out for yourself. Look, the only thing he ever cursed was when he came up to a fig tree expecting to find fruit. He didn't find it. He was disappointed. Only thing. He's serious about fruit. He says right here in verse 2, he said, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. He's serious, my brother and sisters, about fruit in our life. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. What does that mean? I don't know, and I don't want to experience it. <laughs> what does that mean, the Father going to take you away? I don't know. 
but I don't want to be the one he takes out to the shed and start whooping on. Someone shout amen. So what is fruit? What is fruit? Fruit is the result of a life connected to Jesus. Fruit is the result of a life connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Fruit is the a character of Christ being manifested in your life. Fruit is the overflow of life. Fruit is the overflow of life. It is a sign that you're connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Fruit is the overflow of life. In Genesis 5.22 or Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. Fruit is the overflow of life. By the way, if you, if you find that yourself is lacking fruit, this Tuesday at our Long Beach campus, I'm teaching a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to just remind us that, that you don't strive to produce fruit. You simply remain connected to Jesus. No one strive. You're, you don't strive to produce fruit. You remain connected to Jesus. This, this image of bearing fruit that Jesus gave is loaded with meaning. Think about it with me. No tree strives to produce fruit. A tree bears fruit out of the overabundance of life that is coming out of it. Every cell and fiber is saturated with life, and it must find a way to get rid of it or else it will drown in its own life. So the tree produces fruit, think about this with me, as an expression of being saturated with life. So when the, when the, when the apple tree drops an apple, Vision this with me. When an apple tree drops an apple, what takes place in that moment to cause that apple to drop? What's taking place in that moment? I would suggest to you that there's an explosion of life that that tree cannot handle, so it spits out the apple onto the ground. It's an overflow of life in that moment. That's why I thoroughly believe. I do not believe that you will ever burn out serving Jesus. You do not get burnt out serving Jesus. How does one get burnt out serving Jesus? No. You get burnt out by your disconnection from Jesus. You get burnt out because somewhere down the line, you disconnected through prayer. You disconnected through worship. You disconnected by not coming to church no more. And now your life is being ground to the dirt. So we don't strive to produce fruit. We stay connected. Stay connected. As long as you stay connected to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ, that life. Remember, Jesus said, in, in me is life. Remember, the Bible says, in Jesus is life. You ain't got to strive. You ain't got to be like, oh, man, I got I to stop cussing. I got I to gotta do this. I got to do that. No, just stay connected to Jesus. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit, and that life will infuse you. Remember, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, I would think that in these last six months, and this happens, in the last six months, some of us, because of life, trials, distractions, We've had our connections loosened. We've had our connections loosened, some of us. 
And it happens. It happens because that's life. But thanks be to God, it gets our attention. Thanks be to God, you come to a church that will tell you the truth of the Bible and say it's time to do the tighten up. It's time to tighten it up. There's maybe areas in your life that are loose and you're not producing fruit because they're loose. So it's time to say, God, I need to tighten up. God, I need to reconnect to you. God, help me to tighten up. That's the challenge for us this morning. This is what I leave us with this morning. As we bow our heads, let's think, Lord, what areas in our life that need to be tightened up and help me to reconnect? Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. As the worship team comes back up, just for a couple moments, I want you to think about it. Is there any area in your life that's been loosened in the last six months? Maybe you haven't been praying in the morning. You haven't been getting up early in the morning to read your Bible and to pray. Maybe you haven't been faithful. Maybe you haven't been consistent in your corporate worship. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll reveal it to you. Whatever it is that needs to be tightened up, just ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's in demonstrating love. Maybe, maybe God wants you to take another step in his walk with you. You've been coming to Sunday. You've been faithful to Sunday. You've been worshiping on Sunday. You've been receiving the word. You've been uh, connected on Sunday. But, but God has been so good to you that he wants you to take another step. Maybe he wants you to serve. Maybe he wants you to start coming to midweek on Thursday to worship together, to study God's word, to pray together. What, what's that next step for you? As you take that next step, you're going to tighten your connection to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to just reflect upon that. Just reflect upon that for a moment. What areas of our life do we need God to tighten us up? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If God is revealing to us areas where we need tightening and, and he wants to come in and he wants to be that vine dresser. He wants to just come in and, and, and prune and, and, and uh, strengthen and, and, and allow uh, him just to come through our lives. If that was you, I would love to pray for you. If you would just stand up to your feet and just saying, Lord, uh, I have areas in my, my life that, that I need a touch from you. 
I have areas in my life that, that, that I know that are not pleasing to you. I have areas in my life that I know once I'm able to give it to you, Lord, I will experience new levels of you, new levels of freedom. So I thank everyone that is standing up right now and for those who, can, who are not. And I want to pray with you and I want to just ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and just begin to give us direction and strength in this area. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for you are the true vine. You, you are the vine dresser. And we thank you for your word, Lord, to reveal every area that you want to work in our hearts, in our minds, God. So, God, you see the hearts of your people saying, come into my life. Bring your will, your order, your power, God. We thank you, Father, because you love us, Lord, and, and, and you have your uh, all our best interests. We know that you, you love us, you're concerned about us, uh, you want to help us, God. And you want to celebrate every moment of growth, every moment of advancing in you, God. So, God, we thank you, Lord, and we are feeling your, your healing power. We are feeling your touch right now, Lord, and we are claiming your promises, God. So we thank you, Father. For you are the true vine dresser. You are the true shepherd. You are the true I am, Father God. So God, with that, we thank you. We honor you. We give you glory and praise this morning. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give a, the Lord a hand praise. Did you guys get something out of that message? That was a powerful message. Praise the Lord for using Pastor Brian. Uh, at this time, we're going to transition our services into our tithe and offering portion of our service. So uh, I'm going to read a scripture, and then the usher is going to come forward, and uh, we're just going to just have this moment just to see how God is going to move through us today. Hebrews 13, 16, it says, Do not withhold good from those whom it is due. How many of us have, uh, God has been good to us, right? I, I know God has been good to me. And then it says, it says, do not uh, withhold uh, doing good if you have the power to do so. So if I could just take a, a picture or, or a look into my life and every time God gave me the ability to provide for my family, every time God had the ability uh, just to provide health and provide his resources to me and, and, and he just doesn't barely meet my, my needs barely bare minimum but he blesses us in abundance in abundance so that we may be a blessing to others so here at chapel of change we we believe that it's not about equal giving but it's about equal sacrifice so um as the ushers come forward uh i want to give some announcements we have many ways to give here at chapel of change up on our screen there's four ways to give also if you want to give by debit card we have somebody in the back that will facilitate that to you. Also, we have scan to give where you could give by, by phone. Many of us are giving online, so I just want to give a round of applause for those who give online. Let's give it up. Let's give it up for those people. This Thursday, say this Thursday. This Thursday, Pastor Laura is going to lead us into a school of prayer. Praise the Lord. Let's give, it, give the Lord a hand praise. And, and um, we had a powerful showing in our city of Carson. People are getting the certificates, like Pastor Brian was saying. And, and we just want to make 
of more platforms that we could experience and strengthen our prayer life, right? I know mine needs to be straightened. I know, I know everybody in their heart, we say we could just get a little bit better, a little bit more. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I want to get that certificate. Uh, truth be told, I have not got a certificate yet, but my goal this Thursday, pray for me. I'm going to begin this class. Come along with me. Come root for me. And, and I'm rooting for you guys in the name of Jesus. Also say tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, my wife, Pastor Irene, to the right of me, let's give it up. She is going to start a 21-day fast in the morning on Zoom, on Zoom at 5 a.m. where, where she, you guys are going to meet, the ladies will meet, it's for ladies. Ladies are going to meet, they're going to pray, they're going to fast, and just encourage one another for a 21-day journey. Come out, uh, stand up, Pastor Irene. Uh, she has all the information. See her, see her for that. Get plugged in. I've seen a powerful move in my wife as she does these. I just be, I get a, a, a new and improved wife every time she does these 21-day fasts. And, and uh, it, it makes me want to get better, too. So praise the Lord. A lot of people benefit. So thank God for that. Uh, our Wednesday night, we have our young adults. Like Pastor Brian said, we have our young adults. Give it up. Come out. Come on, be a part. This Wednesday, Pastor Brian's going to be giving the word. So come out at 7 p.m. on our Wednesday night for the young adults. Also, we have a Friday service in Spanish on our Fridays on, on 7. And for Spanish speakers, if you have family members or if you yourself want to be a part of that, we have Sister, and Ro uh, Sister Rosa and Brother Victor. Right here, raise your hands. They are doing that. It's consistently going on every Friday at 7 o'clock, right? Praise the Lord. So, and then also, is there any men in the house? All right, we're, the voices are getting stronger. So see Brother Nilo right here. Brother Nilo is one of our ushers, our men's leaders, uh, utility player here in the kingdom. So we thank for Brother Nilo come out and be a part of that. That's Saturday at 8 a.m. every Saturday here at Paramount Campus. One more thing. Oh, Pastor Sandy is going to be having the women's and Pastor Brian. So we can start your steps right now. You can start strengthening and getting plugged in with God right now, right after service. See Pastor Sandy. She has a, a women's Bible study in Pastor Brian's office. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ability to give. We thank you, Lord, that, that you're a God that provides everything as we stay plugged in, Lord. We are the branches, and apart from you, we cannot do nothing. So bless these funds, Father God, for your kingdom, for your people, for us to continue just to move this uh, movement forward so that people could know about you, experience you, and have their lives changed by you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Ushers, you are released.
Pastor Ray said, I'm going to start a 21 day of prayer and fasting in the word. If you're a woman in the house, I want to urge you, don't miss out. Come see me or Sister Esperanza. She'll get your information and give you the information as well. You don't want to miss out. I know Sister Patty says she's going to be joining us as well. Um, and ladies, it's a time where it's a humbling time. It's a time in the Word where we're connecting with our Heavenly Father and with each other. And you're saying no to the flesh. We are doing the 21-day Daniel fast. So again, get plugged in and invite anyone from anywhere. And also, say everybody say June 24th. So June 24th is our, our Women's Abide, and just know we are not going to have it here in the Paramount campus. We're going to have it at our Whittier campus, and that is at 9 a.m. It's from 9 to 11 a.m. Invite someone. Come on out. It's always a good time of fellowship and the word as well. I asked uh, Pastor Daniel to come up because we want to just... Um, just acknowledge what the Lord is doing in your life. I thank you for sharing your testimony with us. Come on, somebody. That's a powerful testimony. That is what God does with a life that surrenders, fully surrenders to him. And we just want to pray over you. Um, he has a beautiful wife, those beautiful, precious babies that I keep talking about and my babies keep talking about Benjamin a lot. Um, but we love them. So we're going to pray over him and his family. And I also want to urge you, come join him once a month. If you can give one Saturday a month, either to serve in a ministry or even just to hear the word, we're urging you to come on out. Pastor Ray and I have made the decision to come out every second Saturday of the month to be at Whittier. So join us. Join us. He's going to have a sign-up in the back if you want to serve in host team, worship team. Come on. Children's ministry. I had Miss uh, Rosalyn out there. She was out there yesterday. So come on out. Give. Come on. All of us have one Saturday a month. Remember how, like, when you were in the world, you used to party every Saturday and Friday? You can give one Saturday a month. So see Pastor Daniel, one of his team members out there in the back. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Daniel, Father God. We thank you for this young family, Lord, that is on fire for you, Father God. I thank you for every degree, Father God, with every level, every degree that you've given him, Father God, Lord. It is not for him, Father God, but for your kingdom, Father God, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that he has a heart to minister and to pour into others, Father God. Lord, we see many more young adults like this young man, Father God, in his family, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus over him and his family for complete protection, Father God. I pray that you give him new revelation, Father God, on how to teach your people, Father God, how to minister to your people, Father God, how to help them, Father God, get uh, away from the enemy, Father God. Lord, you will teach him how to continue to beat the enemy, Father God, in the name of Jesus. You will teach him, Father God, how to help others, Lord, step on the neck of the enemy, Lord. No weapon, formed against him will prosper in the name of Jesus and we give you all the glory honor and praise in Jesus name amen amen God bless you well God bless you everyone it's customary here at Chapel of Change uh, for us to send you off with a blessing but before I do that I'm going to ask some of our pastors and leaders to come up to the front if you can help me pray 
Um, if you need prayer, they're going to come. They're going to be here. They're going to pray with you. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and bless you out. In the name of the Father who loves us with such endless love. In the name of, the Je in the name of Jesus who is uh, the true vine. I am the true vine. In the name of the Holy Spirit who continues to, to just help us and prune us and challenge us to live for God. May you go with the protection and the blessing of the Lord in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you, saints. God bless you.